It took a million years, but the Seahawks finally announced their initial 53-man roster. Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking down the players that missed the cut, the players that did make the cut, and the best practice squad candidates in a jam-packed Tuesday episode of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here for our Tuesday episode, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Corvallis, Oregon, or you're listening across the country in Florida. We greatly appreciate all the 12s out there making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And I apologize for the 12s that were hoping to listen to a show earlier today. The Seahawks decided to wait, wait, wait to release their 53-man roster. And then I had a few errands to run and then those got delayed. So I was just as uh, impatient as you guys in that roster process. But Thank you for waiting this out because we have tons to talk about on today's show, looking at who made the roster, who didn't, and some players that might be waiver claim candidates for the Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now for your lead story here on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. As they do on an annual basis, the Seahawks waited their sweet time to let the rest of the world publicly know who made their 53-man roster. Of course, there were some reporters out there that were dishing some nuggets here and there about which players they had learned from sources had been cut or which players had made the team. There were a handful of those throughout the day, but the Seahawks are always one of the last teams that releases their list right before they practice, and that held true today. And Rob, you and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you on this process because I understand the gamesmanship, but I know that you are just giddy that the Seahawks wait till the very last minute to reveal these rosters. Well, I, I just respect the process. I, I think that it, it kind of goes back to what Pete Carroll's always said, is that you're either competing or you're not. And I think that by waiting until the deadline, the, the Seahawks allow themselves a little bit of time to just kind of set the board, so to speak. And we, we always talk about that when it comes to the draft and setting your board. But when other NFL teams on the East Coast are going to be a little bit more just awake in the morning to be able to set their board, then that gives the Seahawks a little bit of an advantage to kind of see, okay, who are the players at the Buffalo Bills, a legitimate Super Bowl contender, Miami Dolphins, a New York Jets, a, you know, whoever the case might be, allow them to kind of just put those players out there. And you can see, okay, there's an awful lot of really talented quarterbacks out there. There's an awful lot of really talented defensive linemen out there. Maybe we should hold this player or that player. We think that that's a really good player that we might be able to steal a little bit later. So whatever the case might be. I just think that there is some gamesmanship to waiting um, and, and just kind of allowing the board to set itself, allowing the Seahawks an opportunity to talk to the players that they really believe are you know, possible future players for them that maybe have some injury problems that you want to just ease their concerns and say, look, 
we think that you are part of this program moving forward, but you have some injury problems. If you want to stick around, then this is our spiel. We're, we're going to kind of explain to you why we think that you should be willing to accept an injury waiver and stick with our roster rather than get released at this point. Be very upset about that as all these competitive 22, 23, 25-year-olds are going to be and want to just go somewhere else and get their opportunity. I think that there's a legitimate competitive advantage to waiting until the very last moment. The Seahawks do not owe anything to any of the media, to any of their fans, they are trying to compete for Super Bowls. And so to me, that is one of the competitive advantages of being on the West Coast and take advantage of those opportunities when you have it. So I think that the, it was not unexpected at all to me that the Seahawks did this. To me, it's it's kind of like when you, you see the Seahawks fans out there, the Seahawks or, or the, 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 the folks in the media who criticize the Seahawks for doing what they do, for, for drafting a running back in the second round year in, year out, and you're going to criticize them for what they do. If you, if you are a follower of the Seahawks and Pete Carroll and John Schneider and the success, the remarkable success that they've had for a long time, then you really shouldn't have been surprised by the strategy they took took today because it's something that they've done for years. So I, I get the frustration. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people out there who are kind of, you know, biting at their, at their fingertips, kind of wait or at their fingernails waiting to see who the Seahawks were going to release or what have you. And I was surprised to see some of the results uh, of today's actions from the Seahawks and, and elsewhere throughout the NFL. But the one thing I was not surprised is that the Seahawks were going to be one of the four or five final teams to release their actual roster. And, the, and there be a couple of different moves out there because this is a club that feels like they are competitive for the Super Bowl right now. And they are going to try and take advantage of this opportunity to compete as always. Yeah, and you mentioned the word surprise. Every year it feels like there's at least one or two guys that make the initial roster that you kind of have to open your eyes wide. Like, that is not somebody I saw making this football team. And I'm going to be honest with you, Rob. There's not a single guy on offense, defense, or special teams this year that I feel that way about. Now, there's a couple that I missed on my projection, but on the offensive side of the football I have no issue with Cody Thompson and Derek Young being on this 53-man roster because I think that they are two of the better receivers on this team when they are healthy. Now, I want to make this caveat here. They are probably not going to be playing in week one, especially with Jackson Smith and Jigba practicing today. Those two players, Young and Thompson, they are still candidates to be on injured reserve, but you don't want to put them on injured reserve before the first 53-man roster. Otherwise, you are wave injuring them, which we saw the Seahawks do with a couple players today. Those guys, if they clear waivers, aren't picked up by another team. They revert to injured reserve, and because they weren't on the 53-man roster, they are done for the season, or they have to agree to an injury settlement with the team, and that kind of stuff can get complicated. So most likely, that would mean your season's over. They don't want Derek Young and Cody Thompson to be shelved for the entire season. So they're going to release players like Matt Landers and Kate Johnson, who might play in the first couple of games, but they feel they can sneak to their practice squad. They're going to release players like that, and they're going to hang on to Jarek Young and Cody Thompson, players that probably would get plucked up by other teams because of their athleticism or their talent. And they're going to hold on to them, put them on injured reserve most likely, and then you can quickly replace them with two other guys on the 53-man roster, and those other two players can be activated after four games. So those really were the only ones, I guess, you could say, well, those guys might not be here tomorrow, but 
there really were no surprises for me on offense. And even Artie Burns on defense, Rob, you had him making the roster. He was one of my last couple guys out. They need some insurance policies there with Devin Witherspoon still trying to get back healthy. So I have no issue with that selection. And John Radigan's a player that was right in the periphery too. You know, absolutely. I have no real surprises here. I mean, we had five undrafted free agents making this club and only two wound up actually making it. Jake Bobo and, and of course, the, uh, you know, the, the long snapper, um, you know, and, and that's the thing is that in that regard, if this is a surprise to a lot of people, I, I understand that. But I don't feel that that's actually the case because a couple of the players that we had talked so much about, you know, in a way, actually, potentially could make this team. And, and I, that's that's what I would kind of mention here is that, you know, a, a Joey Blunt, for example, at the safety position, I mean, the third preseason game, he comes up with an injury and, and it looks like Seattle is going to, uh, you know, put him, uh, they waived him with an injury designation. And that's an important point. We're going to be talking about that in a moment here. Vi Jones at the inside linebacker position, Jonathan Sutherland, another one, uh, you know, I, I want to be clear about what the the IR and all of that kind of means. So the NFL rules are pretty clear on this. And because the Seahawks were later than perhaps some expected, then I gave us, us an opportunity to kind of investigate this and really understand the rules. And again, that's one of the things I think that the Seahawks were doing is I think that they were making sure that they understood all of these rules, the third NFL quarterback rule. What does that actually mean? There's an awful lot of quarterbacks who were released today, making sure you actually understand this. So again, let's be clear on what the NFL rules mean as far as the IR. So players placed on injured reserve prior to today's roster 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific are out for the entire year. Now, if a player is on the 53-man roster, if he is put on IR tomorrow, Thursday, next week, then that means he's eligible to return after just four games, which is, as you mentioned, Jackson Smith and Jigba practicing today is huge news. Derek Young, Mike Morris, Cameron Young, all of those players actually making Seattle's roster today is the biggest news from the Seahawks today if you are worried about Seattle competing right now. If you're worried about the future, that's a whole other conversation. But in terms of the 2023 roster, that is the biggest news uh, for right now. So, again, to me, that is the biggest thing is that, again, if Seattle, if those players made Seattle's roster initially, then there is a very good chance that they might be able to come back after just four games. And then if they were put on IR to start the season or on the pup list, that's a whole different conversation when it comes to a guy like, say, a Brian Monet or Austin at the defensive or tackle or nose guard positions. Yeah, you mentioned with Brian Monet and Falio, I can never pronounce the guy's last name. Neither but can I. Both those nose tackles are on pup list. They're not on the roster, so they have to miss at least four games as well. At least now we know it's four games minimum for both IR and your pup list candidates. And so any one of those guys we mentioned, maybe a Mike Morris could end up on injured reserve tomorrow, but they didn't want to risk losing that player for the season. So they stuck with them. They released some players like Levi Bell, who might still be coming back tomorrow. We don't know what is going to be in store. There could be a handful of players resigned if they clear waivers brought back to the roster to replace some of these guys that go on injured reserve. So this is still very fluid. That's why they use the word initial here. This is not going to be the roster when Seattle plays the Rams in week one. A lot of these guys will be out there, but there's going to be some changes. They're probably going to put in a few waiver claims. We'll see who they are awarded, but there's going to still be plenty of action rotating that roster before they play the Rams 
on September 10th. Coming up next, we're going to look at the players that missed the cut on offense, defense, and special teams and discuss which players we think should be the top priority for the Seahawks to add to their 16-player practice squad. We'll get to that here in a moment, our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by our friends over at Game Time. If you've ever been in the hunt for sports or concert tickets the last minute, such as when I was looking for Kraken playoff tickets, the process can be anxiety-provoking. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy your tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have if you're wanting to see the Seahawks battle the Rams in Week 1 and have an itch for putting together a last-minute road trip to Lumen Field. Using GameTime's awesome flash deals feature and a detailed stadium map, you can find awesome seats for under 75 bucks right now, and it's super easy. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and the GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download a GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDINNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDINNFL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks Cutdown Day edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. As always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. For our everydayers tomorrow, there's going to be plenty more in the news. We'll be discussing which Seahawks players that were released today were claimed by other teams, which ones cleared waivers, practice squad news, players claimed from other teams, all kinds of roster news. So make sure you're listening in. It's going to be another jam-packed episode as we draw closer to the season opener against the Rams. Let's talk about those players who unfortunately missed the cut. And Rob, we've discussed this several times in recent weeks. This is one of the darkest days in the NFL calendar because there are so many players that have been trying to chase their dream. All these teams had 90 players and now they got to go down to 53. And some of those players who are cut, they're going to get to continue their career either with another team or on a practice squad. They expanded it from 10 to 16. That gave a lot more players opportunities to continue developing. But still, you're going to have a lot of players that were released today that have played their last down in an NFL game. And it's unfortunately one of the realities, one of the dark realities of the NFL business. And the Seahawks, they had to go from 90 to 53 like everybody else. There were a few guys that maybe were a little bit of a surprise, but a lot of these releases felt inevitable. They were chalk cuts, players that were long shots to begin with. They were, but as you said, I mean, it still is a very dark day. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of people listening or watching our podcast. And as you said, Corbin, every time, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you. But I don't know if there's a lot of people out there who truly appreciate that these are a lot of young men who have, so since they were 12, 13, 16, whatever the case might be, day in and day out, have worked harder than many of us ever have at anything and to have that dream taken away from them. And so that is a very difficult, sobering moment here. So, uh, I, again, I, I just wish all of them uh, a great deal of luck and, and, and great fortune, health moving forward wherever the, those fortunes may take them. Kind of moving past that here for a moment, I think that the one thing that we have to mention here is that there's a lot of times where people are just going to say, okay, well, you didn't make a team here in, say, Baltimore or in Cleveland 
or in Philadelphia. And so why don't the Seahawks just put a claim on them and bring them to their practice squad? Unless you're going to bring them to your active roster, why would you sign with another club as a practice squad player? You don't have any familiarity with the coaching staff, just the realities of life in, in terms of where are you going to move? Who do you know in this new city? Would you be willing to move to an entire different city and the whole other side of the country for the job that you may have? That There's some of us who would be, but not a lot of, especially 22, 23 years old. So that's something I think is just a reality here that people need to keep in mind when they look at the different uh, players that have been released and the different uh, players that perhaps might be re-signed by their clubs. Because as you mentioned, now it's a 16 player uh, practice squad. And that's a significant number of players here. So, you know, what we're talking about here is the number of players that we think the Seahawks have recently released that maybe are going to be priorities to bring back to their roster. And there's a number of them. Again, as I just mentioned, I don't think that the Seahawks are, are banking on the possibility of bringing back a whole bunch of players that were, you know, or I should say, bringing in a whole bunch of players that were released elsewhere. I think that they're absolutely going to look at a lot of the familiar names that they've just spent the last two months, you know, going to battle with. And so to me, some of the players that make an awful lot of sense is a couple of players that I had making this Seahawks roster and Jacob Sykes, the defensive lineman, uh, I think is, is one of them. Roderick Thompson, I think the running back has been absolutely spectacular for the Seahawks. Lance Boykin, the cornerback, Aesop Winston, the wide receiver return man, uh, Tyler Mabry at the tight end position, who's been on Seattle's practice squad several times before, but still, I thought that he played very well. I, I could rattle off five or six or ten more names that were just released by the Seahawks, who I think are legitimate candidates. You mentioned Levi Bell before, holding the Aylers before. I think those are also candidates. But to me, those are the five guys that I think should be top on Seattle's list in terms of players that were in their training camp throughout the three pre games of preseason that the Seahawks should be looking to bring back to the practice squad. Yeah, I think when you look at that list of players on the defensive side of the football that is where I get the most intrigue for this practice squad because I, you know, I released my preseason awards this morning before all these cuts were announced. Levi Bell was my defensive player of the preseason for the Seahawks. He had 10 quarterback pressures, a 22 plus percent pressure rate. He had three tackles for a loss. He had six run stops inside two yards or less. He played snaps at three tech as well as off the edge. He played on special teams. So my last 53-man roster projection, you and I both had him making this football team. And because he is a rookie, he did get released by the Ravens just a week after the draft. So it's not like he hasn't already bounced around some, but with the film that he's got out there, the athleticism he brings to the table, that's a guy, if I'm the Seahawks, I'm hoping – that he finds a way to slip through and we can get him back on practice squad a minimum. Again, he could be a player if Mike Morris goes on injured reserve. Maybe that's the guy they bring back because he played three tech fairly well in those last two games in pass rushing situations. So you could use him inside. You can play him off edge if you want to. He could play fullback as he showed in the preseason. So him and Jacob Sykes, those two undrafted rookies would be at the top of my list. If Jonathan Sutherland wasn't waived, injured, that groin injury must be pretty significant for the Seahawks to make that decision with him because otherwise they could have just done what they did with some of the other guys, keep him on the roster. But with that distinction, again, if he doesn't get claimed by anybody else, he's going to injured reserve or needs to have an injury settlement. So he's not going to be part of this most likely. So 
if he was part of the equation, he'd be a name I'd mention. But right now, it would be Bell and Sykes would be the two that I'd be wanting to get. And I think Ben Burkirvan, just because of his experience and the story that he brings to the table, I'd like to see him available as an insurance guy they have, especially with Vi Jones now likely going to injured reserve. You're going to need that depth in a linebacker spot. But those three players, and I think Lance Boykin, because of his size and his athleticism, he's a fun developmental piece of corner. Those would probably be the four defensive players for me that I would prioritize. On offense, I think that you is it's maybe a little bit more of a, as you like to say, with your uh, Baskin-Robbins uh, scenario. It really is just pick your flavor in this case. Because I feel like there's a lot of different options, especially the receiver position, where I feel like they should be able to bring back three or four of the guys they just had in training camp and a few of those players could play in the first couple games as practice squad promotions depending on Jackson Smith and Jig but Tariq Young and Cody Thompson's health yeah exactly and I love the fact that you mentioned that you know a player like uh you know a Joey Blunt of I Jones Jonathan Sutherland who were waived with injury designations and so again I think that it's important to kind of just explain to folks out there that I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there who do understand this but there might be some out there who do not so basically what this means is that if you get waived the injury designation the team is on the hook for paying the player or working out some type of a deal for a reasonable amount if they are going to let them go and so again to me this is a way of, of i don't want to say sneaking players onto the roster for paying players to be on the roster for wrapping your arms around them and saying look we believe if you were fully healthy you might be one of the top 53 uh, on this roster and if you are if you do get through waivers and there's not a lot of nfl teams that are going to be bringing in players who are coming off of injuries and in the case of joey blunt by jones and jonathan sutherland these do appear to be relatively minor injuries but if you're able to bring them back and hey they are still on your roster you still own their rights and they are basically on your team so Again, Joey Blunt, undrafted free agent. By Jones, undrafted free agent, obviously, to a year in now. And then Jonathan Sutherland, this year's free agent. Um, you know, all of them have, have shown, has some really good film out there that other NFL teams might be. And in the case of Sutherland, four-year team captain, as we mentioned before, Penn State, that to me is one of the values of, of waiting until the very last minute, allowing these players to recognize that they are very much part of this process. So again, I, I think that it's wise the way that Seattle did that. And I think that it is all the more likely that all three of those players hopefully wind up making their way back onto Seattle's roster moving forward. And again, they're the, the players that I want to make sure that I kind of talk about here. Um, you know, you mentioned Levi Bell and, and Levi Bell to me, when we were having this conversation a day ago, Corb, I mean, he was right on the edge for me, uh, you know, because he had played a, a variety of different positions, but I thought that he was at his best in week one uh, of the preseason and week two and week three, I thought that his play kind of dropped slightly. And, and that's the thing is I want to see players ascending rather than flatlining. And I, I think Levi Bell's a heck of a player. I'd love to see Levi back in the Seattle's roster. I don't know that he is going to be quite as high of a priority as some of the other players that, uh, that I had mentioned before. Yeah, I'd be surprised, though, if he's not a player that they're putting a top bill on to have on their practice squad if he clears. Just with the versatility that he brings, the athleticism. Holton Ehlers and Sir Roderick Thompson Jr. are probably two players on offense that I would be most intrigued to bring back. We know the depth issues at running back, the injuries that happen at that position. 
all it would take is one of your guys on the active roster getting banged up or Kenny McIntosh not being ready in week one. He hasn't played for three weeks. If he's not ready for that game, you could call Sir Roger Thompson Jr. up and you would feel confident, hey, if we have some injuries in the game, we need him to play a few snaps on offense. He's shown that he can get the job done and we can trust him to play that spot. And Holton Aylers, that third quarterback idea, if you get middle of the season and you feel like, you know what, let's get him onto the fifth three-man roster because maybe Geno goes into a game hampered by an injury. And what if he can't finish the game and then Drew Locke gets banged up? That gives you a lot of flexibility. And you want to have a QB you can develop on the practice squad. He showed enough in the preseason to suggest that there may be a fairly high ceiling there for an undrafted quarterback. So I think those two players, somebody like a Jalen McKenzie that has improved in his couple years of the team is still a young lineman. Uh, Kendall Randolph from Alabama didn't play a lot for Alabama. He's still got a lot of untapped potential. They need some guys that they can bring in. Joey Hunt, the veteran on the offensive line. There's a number of guys here. And as Pete Carroll saying, after that Packers game on Saturday, they want to keep as many of these guys together as they can. And I think that the practice squad rules expanding from 10 to 16 has actually helped with that process. Teams are able to keep more of the guys they have been working with for the last two months. So I expect most, if not all those players that are on the practice squad are going to be guys that just got cut here in the last 24 to 48 hours. And Seattle will be able to keep the band together, so to speak. So they have insurance with guys that know the system and have played for Pete Carroll and this coaching staff. Let's shift gears now, Rob, here on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. We just talked about all these players that got released, that were put on waivers. Some of them are vested veterans like Ben Burkirvan that don't hit waivers. A number of these guys are going to be back on the practice squad. But there's another thing that complicates this roster process. And we talked about this at the beginning. Just because you made the initial 53, Joshua Oniogo last year made the initial 53, and I think three minutes after it was released, he was cut because then they went and they made another roster move. All it takes is claiming one or two players, and Seattle is 20th in the totem pole, so there's 19 teams in front of them that can get first dibs on players. I don't know if they're going to get anybody this year off of waiver claims, but if they do, they have to sign that player and then they got to open up a roster spot. So somebody that was on the team now is off of it. And that leads me to the waiver claim idea. We've had a chance now to look at all of the waivers, all the cuts that have been made across the league in the past couple of days, Robin, you and I put together a list of five players that we think would make sense to either claim, or if it's a vested veteran, try to sign that player to the roster, our fab five free agents, so to speak. Rob, I want to hear your first couple here. And I think you and I are probably going to be thinking of the same tangent position wise for the Seahawks, but I'm curious because you and I actually didn't talk before the show about who our picks were. So you don't know mine and I don't know yours. Exactly. And that's the thing is that the Seahawks know them all. That's one of the reasons why they waited as they did. And and again, that I think there's a real strategy there as far as how you were trying to create your roster, not only the 53, but what your intentions are for your 16, your 16 man, uh, you know, practice squad. And, and so who do you release? Who do you leave vulnerable out there? I think is absolutely part of the reason why you wait until the very end here. So, and I, and I love the fact that you mentioned that Seattle's 20th, 20th on the waiver wire. So I'm going to mention some players who I promise you are not going to be available to the Seahawks. To me, number one guy, Travis Gibson, the pass rusher from the Chicago Bears. He will not be available likely to the Seahawks. The Chicago Bears 
wisely tried to trade him. Um, you know, Joan Williams, the, the cornerback who I really, really like. New England Patriots made him a second round pick a couple of years ago. He went to the Minnesota Vikings. Seattle played against him in preseason one. If you like Mike Jackson, you're, he's not necessarily a cornerback that can turn and run with everybody, but he is going to punch you in the mouth. He's going to play good physical football. Jawan Williams is another guy from the Minnesota Vikings who I would not be surprised at all. Even though cornerback is, I think, probably Seattle's strongest position. I don't think that it is a position they should be necessarily looking to grab other players, except... This is a club that is always going to take the best player available. That is just the M.O. that Josh Schneider and Pete Carroll have, have lived with now for the last decade or so. It's why year in and year out that they're playoff contenders. Marvin Wilson, a defensive tackle that originally was a Florida State, went to the Philadelphia Eagles. In my opinion, the most physically gifted team in the NFC and perhaps in all of the NFL and especially along the defensive line. So who the Eagles cut, I think, is going to get a awful lot of looks from a lot of different people out there, but Marvin Wilson to me is one of those big physical guys that can hold up at the point of attack. I would still argue that the interior of the defensive line and maybe even the interior of the offensive line would still be two of Seattle's biggest areas of concern. It's number three on my list here just because I think that there's a lot of players that Seattle already has on their own uh, lists here that they're likely to have back for them, but still, I think that Marvin Wilson is a legitimate NFL player. Anthony Schwartz, the wide receiver from the Cleveland Browns. I, I am a sucker for straight line speed, and so are the Seahawks. They've proven that year in and year out, and Anthony Schwartz is a 4-2 guy. So to me, that's always intriguing uh, as far as just having a guy like a Philip Dorsett, for example, a Freddie Swain, for example, that can just go and get it, be that vertical threat. So he is another uh, player out there. And then if we're going to have the conversation about quarterbacks, and I think that you make an excellent point before about a Holton Ailey, if you're not going to bring back a Holt Nailers, if you're going to try and bring back somebody else, you know, Colt McCoy, for one, Arizona Cardinals. I mean, just his success against the Seahawks. <laughs> just so he's not on another team. <laughs> exactly. It speaks for itself. And again, he's got he's just kind of got the heart that you're looking for in terms of being a practice squad. If you're going to bring in a veteran to be a practice squad quarterback, he's got to be a different type of mentality. And I think that Colt McCoy has always demonstrated that going back to his college days, a couple of guys from New England, Bailey Zappi, Malik Cunningham. I mean, very different, very, very different type of players. But I think the Zappi is, is short and intermediate accuracy and smarts with Malik Cunningham, who's a smart quarterback himself. But still, he's also a dynamic athlete. He gives you some positional flexibility there. To me, those are four, five, six of the players that I think are really intriguing that are out there that are veterans that the Seahawks might say, hey, we like the guys that we had in camp. But these are a couple of other guys. Because as you mentioned, if you're going to bring these players in, this is not practice squad guy and guys. These are the kind of guys you're going to have to cut somebody on your 53. And so you would better be darn sure that they are better than somebody you're cutting if you're going to bring somebody in else from across the country i think that we just made a first happen here on locked on seahawks because usually when you and i put together lists of five or ten with players you and i usually have some kind of overlap but that did not happen i have five totally different players and i have a different quarterback that was my honorable mention selection on here as well but 
I went much heavier on the interior defensive line because I still think that's the biggest concern, especially if Cameron Young might have to start the year in injured reserve. We don't know if that's the case or not, but if you have him on IR, Jaron Reed is the only nose tackle you have on your roster. And I still have questions about him playing that position week in, week out. So that is still my biggest question mark, which is why I've got Quentin Bohanna from the Dallas Cowboys who they list him at 335. And you and I have talked about him before a show before uh, that man is not 335. If he's 335, uh, then I'm 175. By the way, I weigh 230. So uh, he is a massive human being. And he's not a great athlete. He's not a guy that's going to make a lot of tackles. But they need somebody that can be a space plugger. And this guy just naturally stepping into the trenches is a space plugger. And not making the Dallas Cowboys team that's not necessarily saying bad things about you. That is just a really good defensive line. I think Bohanna could come in and play significant snaps at that nose tackle spot for the Seahawks right away and help their run defense be even better going into the regular season. And then staying at that spot, Calvin Avery out of Illinois, the name might be a familiar one for Seahawks fans because he had a pre-draft visit with the Seahawks. Didn't get drafted, but they like those Illinois players. They drafted one of the top five. This is another player that is a big body, not as big as Bohanna, but he is a big body guy that was a starter for multiple seasons in the Big Ten that I think can play at this level. So he would be a player I would take a look at. Jared Clark, we talked about him a bunch in the pre-draft process coming out of Coastal Carolina. The Chargers cut him today. And I have read they want to bring him back to the practice squad badly. They don't want him getting away, but that's another 340-pound space plugger that actually has athleticism. He was a converted tight end. That's where he started his college career. So if you're looking for an athlete with that size, then Jared Clark fits that mold. As far as other positions, Trent Taylor is a familiar name because he played for the 49ers for a number of years, had one year with over 400 receiving yards. That's not really what I would be looking at him, though, for. He could give you some catches if you needed him to, but he's a very good kick and punt returner, and I still feel like that is an area that the Seahawks need to find an upgrade right now at that position. And Trent Taylor is a guy that can play slot. He can play outside if you need him, but it's the special team's versatility that would make him worth trying to kick the tires on, seeing if I can sign him to my roster. And the last guy I've got, I know the edge group is deep, but I could see Seattle going after a player that can play off the edge and also play the three-tech position is what they were trying Levi Bell out at the last couple of weeks. And Teron Jackson, formerly of Coastal Carolina, he's a guy that you and I both were pretty high on in the draft process a couple of years ago. And he's been good when the Eagles have given him chances, but you talked about the depth and the talent Philadelphia has on that defensive line. Uh, he just couldn't make that roster because they have too many guys, but he had a great preseason. He was one of their most disruptive players. He's still a young guy, only in his third year, and he's big enough that he can play three-tech for you on early downs or pass-rushing downs, and he also has enough twitch to play off the edge. I like him as a hybrid 3-4-4-3 guy that can really fit in a number of different spots, and so I know they've got the edge guys, but if you're looking for that interchangeable chess piece, they can play multiple positions that's young and still has untapped potential, then Teron Jackson would be one that would be very high on my radar.
Yeah, again, I think that that's one of the fun things about this is the fact that you have five different players. I think are all legitimate candidates. I, I have my you know thoughts as well, and you know because there literally have been seven hundred and eighty ish so players that were just released that uh, are you know very possibly have had their last opportunities in the NFL, and, and so to me, it's going to be a fascinating kind of process here. These next couple of days. That's the one thing is we talked about before. You shouldn't be surprised the Seahawks are going to invest early picks and running backs. You shouldn't be surprised the Seahawks are going to wait until the very last minute in terms of releasing their roster. You shouldn't be surprised when there is turnover on this roster all throughout the preseason. The Seahawks were among the teams that had the most, uh, you know, roster turnover the, the most roster turnover in all of the nfl over the preseason as they constantly do and the same thing i expect that to extend all throughout this week so it, it's going to be fascinating to see who the actual 53 man roster is when they face off against the la rams i would not be surprised at all if we're not talking about one or two or three different players but five or six or seven as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe and follow Locked On Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. As Rob just kind of hinted on, tomorrow we are going to be talking about waiver claims. Did the Seahawks get awarded any players? Were any former Seahawks awarded to another team? Were there any trades? There's plenty of chaos that's going on here post cut down day and we'll be breaking it all down in our Wednesday edition. Make sure you're listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and thanks for listening. Go Hawks.